good evening wherever you are, and welcome to episode 77 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from South by Southwest down here in Austin, Texas, and we're really excited about the show tonight. There's a lot going on. Aaron, how are you tonight, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Uh, how are you How are you enjoying South by Southwest? Oh, it's, it's you know... One of those, it's just great to be seen and see everybody, and it's a it's a great time. It is awesome. You've been tweeting and using the right hashtags and all that stuff? Of course. Of Good. course. Good. Excellent. Excellent. So there is so many things going on down here that we thought instead of having guests, we would just uh, kind of plow through a bunch of news and notes and what's going on in the industry and uh, stuff like that. So, hey, um, one thing real quick, though, man, um, and I, I feel bad telling you about this now, but uh, I, I kind of had to go behind your back yesterday. Um, well, I, I saw on Twitter you, you cheated, right? Yeah, I sort of cheated on you. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, here was the, it was kind of a weird thing because, you know, for years we've been bad-mouthing Greg Neerman and his podcasts. And no, uh, no, Greg, Greg's a good friend of the show. Uh, he called me up yesterday in what typically happens to us on the podcast. Uh, their, their guest, who probably was much more famous and important than me, canceled or something like that. And uh, he called me up and said, can you do it? We've got to get our show out before it goes in the register. And I... Uh, I I was happy to oblige him, so I apologize for cheating on you and going on other podcasts. Yep, absolutely. So, anywho, so yeah, um, if anybody hears uh, hears me talking on some other podcasts, don't get confused. We're still doing this one. Yeah. Are you still doing uh, the Data Center Insiders, too? Oh, no, wait, no. No, I had to, I had to leave that job, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm all over the place, man. I'm all over the place. All right. So, uh, and oh, and by the way, we're not at South by Southwest, either. Yeah, so before people are like, wait a second, what? I, I haven't seen you guys. I thought you were, yeah. So, yeah, no, we're, we're in Raleigh as normal, um, although we've been traveling a bunch lately. Where, uh, where have you been lately, man? Oh, where haven't I been, unfortunately? Um, that, probably the biggest highlight here recently was actually ApacheCon. Um, okay. last, was it last week? Gosh, the weeks are all two weeks ago. Um, How's your neck beard coming along? Yeah, exactly. It was it was an interesting conference to say the least. Uh, it was, but it was a lot of fun actually. It was really good for me to really see kind of a different side um, and certainly a, a different way to to get things done. And it's amazing what they they're able to do with uh, you know. And they're very proud of the fact of you know it's all individual contributors, right? There's no companies, there's no sponsorships, there's you know, it's all about the individuals. And it it really was a really cool conference. Yeah. So what's the what's the gist for anybody who doesn't know what Apache Con is? What uh, what is it? Yeah, so it, it is basically all of the products in the uh, Apache Foundation, um, and they have tracks. So there was a cloud track, there was a Hadoop track, there was a web apps track, and and basically back to back sessions and and a lot of roundtables and panels and, and a lot of uh, you know speaking in the expo hall and just all about all of the the various Apache products, how to operate them better, maybe some up-and-coming trends or something new that, that a user is, is doing on them is really interesting conference. Cool. Any, uh, any new projects that are like in incubation that people should keep their eye out for? Um, probably nothing worth, worth mentioning just yet. There were some names thrown around he, here and there, but um, nothing that, that I you know, probably would highlight at this time. Okay. And then uh, where are you, you going to be in the next couple of weeks and months and stuff? Yeah, so I'm. I'm. Uh, so Vero Madness is coming up. Um, for those not familiar with Vero, Vero is a, a, a very large um, and prestigious uh, reseller here in the North Carolina area, and they actually hold a customer event uh, where, gosh, what was it? Maybe 700 people. 
Yeah, it's a pretty um, big event. Year. Yeah, it's always fun. And it's always and right around uh, March Madness time frame. Exactly. And and they're they're actually they, they kinda spread it out all over the state of North Carolina. So uh this year's actually up here in Durham, North Carolina, and it's it's coming up. So um I'm heading to that. I believe you're heading to that as well, right? Yep, I'll be at that one as well. Um and then where else are you going? Uh, so I'm doing uh, OpenStack Summit. I'm going to be, uh, you know, we'll see if they throw tomatoes at me or not when I walk in the door. But, um, uh, you know, they definitely still have an interest in in, in that technology and going to be going up there and hopefully doing some blogging and some podcasts uh, from there. Cool. And then uh, actually just found out late last week I'm going to be doing a session at Interop coming up as well. Uh, cool. Don't have that completely nailed down on exactly what or what's going on, but I will be doing a session at Interop. So you're presenting. You're going to yes. speak? Oh, cool. Yes. Very, very. So, cool. how about you, man? What you got going on? Uh, so, I've been traveling a ton, but most of the travel's been for Virtual Stream. Um, although, yeah. So, I think I've, I've traveled about five or six weeks out of the year so far. Uh, I'll be at Vero Madness with you, uh, which will be cool. Uh, the night before, I'm doing a keynote, sort of pseudo keynote for one of the uh, the area RTP. Um, technology groups. It's a group all focused on healthcare, so it'll be interesting to get their take on healthcare, which is super regulated, and cloud computing, which is uh, sometimes deemed to be not super regulated. So that'll be kind of fun. And um, and then I'm going up to Structure for uh, the Structure Data Conference up in New York City. So I get to spend my birthday uh, probably on an airplane uh, coming back from New York City. But that'll be, that'll be kind of cool. Go do the big data thing and kind of figure out what's going on with all the sequels and no sequels and new sequels and Hadoops and Things along those sorts. So that's that's what I got planned so far, or at least for the next month or so. Sure, awesome, very cool. So, oh, and I forgot, I went out, I went out to Partner Exchange as well, which was uh, oh yeah, kind was of Partner interesting. Uh, it was good. Uh, I wrote a blog about it. I'll probably never get invited back to Partner Exchange after the blog <laughs> I wrote. Um, I was uh, it was uh, slightly slightly um, I would say critical. Just pointed out a few interesting sub uh, things that I saw going on at the show. It was. Um, you know, I don't want to make it into a commercial, but it was it was the first time I've really seen VMware sort of be not terribly clear about what value they provided for customers, right? It always used to be deploy this stuff, you'll save money, and you know, everybody kind of around it was like, Wow, that's really cool and it's good. And this time it was, Hey, we have a bunch of new suites, buy our software. And yep. it, so there's a very, very different vibe and then of course, obviously the the, the media was all a buzz because Pat uh, Gelsinger, you know, basically called out AWS and and uh, you know basically called out all of the um, all the resellers for not being able to uh, to sell against AWS. So right. that was sort of interesting. But um, anyway, so yeah, so PEX was okay. It was good. Um, it was a different, like I said, it was just a different vibe this year. It was um, it just didn't seem to have like as much passion as it usually did. It didn't seem to have the same set of people that you typically see there but you know so we'll see what happens maybe they're they're uh, maybe they're storing it all up for big announcements at uh, VMworld in the fall cool so well listen um we like we said we uh there's there's a ton of stuff going on sometimes it, it's good for us to just kind of get together and kind of sync up on news and notes and, and announcements and so we no no guests tonight um but you brought a whole list of stuff that you thought was sort of interesting over the last couple of weeks i brought a list um you want to start a plow through it and we'll talk about it and yeah kind of go through them absolutely so what's the first one you got there brian <clears throat> so the first one i got is um sort of a small thing but a weird thing uh so in stratus uh the guys that we've had on a couple times george reese and james urquhart and uh and uh, uh sema and all those folks they changed their name and you know you would think if you're going to do a name change you know one of a couple of things is going on like maybe you're 
going to get bought or you know maybe you're going from sort of a strange name like Instratus to something you know that would be easier to recognize they went from Instratus to Instratius and add an i in there somewhere randomly well and did you did you see twitter tonight yeah george was all fired up he he made it out to be some sort of legal thing against stratus computing or stratus technologies which i would have thought 3 or 4 years ago when they named the company they would have done some basic google searches and found names like that but apparently not i don't know yeah, I don't know if it was one of those that just maybe the Stratus Technologies, the, and I kind of went to, went out to their website and checked them out, and they're they're kind of a almost like a specialty, at least it used to be less a specialty server builder kind yeah. of thing for like yeah. financial markets and things like that, and manufacturing, and they've been around for a long time, but uh, it seems like maybe they're starting to get into cloud like a lot of other resellers are in some way or shape or form. And maybe they, it's kind of like the Apple versus the Beatles at one point of, well, you can, you can have that name as long as it's not in the same markets kind of thing. Right. I don't know if all of a sudden they're trying to get in the same markets and they want in Stratus to get the hell out of the way, or I don't know what happened there. Right. And, yeah, and George, will, I don't know that George would ever publicly say it or, you know, knowing George, maybe he would, but um, that seems to be what's going on. All right. Well, so for anybody that uh, you know has has heard of Instratus on our show, they're no longer Instratus. They're now Instratius or something like that. So throw an I in there. Spell checker will probably find it for you if you do a Google search on it. Uh, what do you got, man? What's your first one? Yeah. So one of the big things that w- was going on was around OpenStack here and, and IBM. And so if you've been listening to the the podcast, you know I I, I did uh, almost ten years at IBM, so I tend to follow IBM pretty closely. And they they still have a very large presence here here in Raleigh. And um, they made some big announcements this week around OpenStack that they're really kind of going all in. A lot of their cloud offerings will be OpenStack based um, before too much longer. And they they've kind of always made some announcements and and did some support before but this was a a pretty big announcement and in my mind you know i I take this one much more seriously and i actually blogged about this a long time ago of um in my mind there was there was three big players all for somewhat slightly unique reasons that if they all got behind OpenStack, then you know it if they did it right and really supported it correctly, that they, I think they could probably change the game. And, and IBM, of course, was one of them because they have such a history of taking other open source technologies and really embracing them and really knowing how to make money on them. Um, yep. So I thought it was a big deal. The other one being Red Hat for the exact same reason. Um, and the last one being HP, just solely because they're such a big enterprise reseller. But um, as I put on kind of a blog post recently, it just seems like HP's really kind of phoning it in, and they don't seem to be doing too much with the, you know, they say they are, but they, I don't just don't see a lot going on. But to kind of circle back to the IBM, um, you know, I just I thought it was a big deal. I really did. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, I was talking to a to an analyst here recently, um, just sort of totally off the record, and they were saying, you know, how do how do you how how would anybody know if I if, if OpenStack's doing well? Because um, you know, unless uh, some company were to somehow break out the metrics, right? It's it's an open source project, so you can look at those kind of metrics, or you know, I guess you could look at you know what uh, Rackspace's numbers look like. But I'm not sure they're going to be massively affected one way or the other, at least near term. And I said, you know, for me, the three things are going to be like a little bit like you said. Uh, 
what happens with HP's cloud? Does it take off? I mean, they've got a massive installed base to sort of try and flip over there. Um, that's sort of stalling. Uh, the second one was, you know, go go follow the companies that have all the smart OpenStack developers, which is basically Piston and Nebula and Mirantis and maybe more Flabs, and go see who buys those guys, because I have a feeling, you know, they'll probably end up getting bought up by somebody. Uh, and the third one was, you know, when the, when the shoe drops with IBM, um, you know, that's going to be a big deal. And, I mean, we, we, we've been hearing rumors for, I don't know, a couple of quarters now that the IBM guys were were kind of lining up a lot of developers. They were starting to get heavily involved. They were talking about completely rewriting the Nova stack, you know, the kind of the core compute stack. And so maybe this is it. Um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if they put it back out in the community or whether they keep it for themselves or, you know, what they do with it. Because the trick with IBM is, they don't really care about the underlying technology anymore. They want to drive, you know, uh, contractor-driven services and support-driven solutions. And um, yeah, you know. I think uh, I think Jeremiah Dooley, of course, you know, mockingly put it on Twitter best when he said, "IBM embracing a, a services-driven technology, shocking." <laughs> yeah, and I, I completely agree. Right? For them, it's it's probably all about here's a product that I can I can put into my global services portfolio and make a lot of money off of. Right. Which, you know, if they go doing that, they will probably end up being the biggest OpenStack contributor there are because, you know, we're seeing from a lot of the other vendors, they make a big push about being public, but then when you look at what they actually give back to the community, it's not always all their special sauce. It's, well, we hold a little bit back for ourselves or we, you know... So that'll be that'll be very very interesting to watch. So uh, so big news about IBM. Uh, we'll have to watch over the next you know three to six months how stable their cloud offerings become, and because um, that's the other trick with IBM. Their their cloud offerings have been many, but their reality of their cloud offerings have been sort of few. So yep yep. We'll see what and happens. The next one was kind of OpenStack related as well. I just thought this was impressive, and I actually went and, and I haven't read it in depth yet, but OpenStack released an operations guide. Um, now who released? Week. Now who released that? I saw that, but I haven't read it yet. It's it's so it is the the OpenStack Foundation um, itself has released the guide, but um, it looks like um, a bunch of people, either a bunch of Rackspace people or a bunch of people, got together at Rackspace and wrote it in about a week. Um, hmm. So you know, five to seven days. It's about a two hundred page document. Um, like I said, you just glance through it. it. It looks like, you know, it's probably something a lot of people have been asking for for a very long time. Um, so, so pretty, you know, pretty impressive to be yeah. able to, to throw that kind of, of documentation together in a week and do a sprint like that. That's, uh, that was really cool. Um, and, and a nice addition to their portfolio, certainly, but yeah. I just wanted to highlight that. No. So it's a, I mean, it's a good thing. It was actually one of the things I called out in that, you know, 10 questions about OpenStack blog is like, Where's the where's the reference architecture? You know, where's yep. the thing that sort of tells you what to do? Um, yeah, you're right. Rackspace has sort of been leading the leading the charge as far as documenting stuff. Um, I mean, they call them blueprints in their thing, but yeah. So it'll be interesting to see um, how much this gets adopted, how how generic it is enough that it can pick up a Piston Cloud uh, rack, you know, OpenStack thing, or a Nebula, or a Cisco, or a whatever, or if it's you know how applicable it is for all the different flavors of OpenStack that are out there right now. Yep, exactly. <clears throat> so I had a couple of PaaS ones that um, were a little bit interesting. So we we obviously we covered uh, Apprenda's announcement, um, sort of announced that they have J.P. Morgan uh, Chase as a customer, which is 
pretty big deal. Uh, Chase is obviously, you know, global name, global, you know, Fortune 100, Fortune 50 customer. Um, so, you know, good good progress for, for Apprenda and for Paz sort of acceptance. And then the other thing we saw is that the Pivotal initiative, the thing that uh, EMC and VMware sort of jointly spun out and gave them Cloud Foundry and Greenplum and all those things, uh, the Pivotal guys finally said, hey, we are now going to sell our own distribution of Cloud Foundry. Um, so sort of an interesting, uh, brings up another interesting thing of, you know, what's, what's going on around cloud foundry. Is it, is it an independent thing, you know, where you've got all these different companies that are, are going to do their stuff. Do they trust pivotal? Do they not trust pivotal? Um, so it seemed to, it seemed to create some buzz. Um, you know, James waters obviously put his spin on it, that it's all good. And, you know, they love the community, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how independent they keep it. Will it be VMware centric under the covers? Will it be, anybody's cloud centric under the covers. Um, but if nothing else, it does mean, um, there's potentially a place people can go for, you know, uh, cloud foundry, private, private paths, or, you know, if they're a service provider that wants to put paths out there, I assume this means they're going to, they're going to have service and support around it. Right. And, and are they doing it as a public cloud hosted model as well as selling the product for your on-premise? You know, they didn't go into those details. They, I didn't. You know, yeah, I didn't. I never. That was never clear to me. It exactly. was one of these sort of long-winded. You know, we love the community. We're going to do all the good, right things by the community. Sort of stump speech, uh, but it didn't have a lot in there other than just, you know, oh, and by the way, you'll be able to buy it from us. Now, I have to assume, and, and this is just a guess. I don't have any inside information, but I have to assume that um, if VMware ever does come out with this public cloud that keeps the rumors keep percolating up again and so forth. I got to imagine that's going to be one of their prime application, you know, spaces they're going to go after. I got to imagine, you know, big data and and platform as a service will be two of their core things as opposed to just going after VMs, I would assume, but we'll see. Yeah. So another cool thing that happened, uh, I'll take, I'll take two in a row and then I'll let you, let you go back. No, so, go ahead. Um, so, you know, we started, we, you and I have started going to the, uh, the local RTP, uh, DevOps days or DevOps, Triangle DevOps. And a couple of weeks ago, um, a guy named Michael Hahn, who had been at our path. And then, uh, when our path shut down, went over to Cisco. Um, he's sort of a pretty well-known, uh, automation developers created a couple of very cool tools. One called cobbler, one called, uh, Anibal. Um, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Um, he just recently launched a company called Anibal Works. Uh, him and one of the guys who was uh, previously at Eucalyptus. Um, so Anibal Works is kind of focused. Is it on, Anibal or Ansible? I'm sorry, Ansible. I should have. Okay. Yeah. So Ansible. So his, his yeah his tools are Cobbler and Ansible. So okay. Their company's Ansible Works. We'll try and get them on one of these days. But uh, um, yeah, it looks like a couple. Of, you know, looks like some of the old Eucalyptus guys, some RPath guys, obviously some other folks. But they're basically positioning Ansible as uh, you know, a different way of sort of solving the chef and puppet type of problem. And apparently it's a, maybe a simpler type of language and framework to work in. Um, so that'd be kind of an interesting one to watch, especially since the wars between chef and puppet are pretty, uh, pretty hot and heavy and religious these days. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, but always good to see, you know, new stuff starting up in RTP. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so my next two are kind of related to each other as well. Um, AWS. So Amazon Web Services is out there, and they launched a, a bunch of new tools again. I mean, they are just on fire here lately when it comes to announcing new new features, not necessarily in their core products, but they're actually branching out into new areas now. So they've got Op or, Ops or, 
excuse me, OpsWorks, which is kind of an automation uh, suite that that is specifically tailored toward their ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did a tr- trusted advisor, it's called, and it's really kind of billing with a little bit of monitoring. Um, certainly starts to address you know something we had talked about before of. Probably one of the biggest fears we, that I, that I've seen is is actually not so much can you do this or can you not do that. It's actually the overage bills. It's like it's like the old days of cell phones and minutes, right? You, you yep. get four hundred minutes and you go over and you get a thousand dollar phone bill or something like that, right? Um, so so they're hopefully going to correct some of that with this. And but then I was my big thought around all of that is when they start really branching out above. Uh, above and beyond the core services are they really starting to eat their own ecosystem all of these smaller startup uh, kind of companies that are really starting to build products around them and we're filling holes and filling needs in the AWS portfolios you know it makes you realize very quickly that you know if you're a small startup company with not a lot of employees Amazon is a big machine and it wouldn't take much to just take a team throw them at this project and then release something and then what happens to you right yeah no you and i you and i talked about this when i can't remember which one it was that came out because um, they both came out like within about a week of each other and we were like you know who's having a bad day today is it i mean because we've had a bunch of these guys on the show right i mean we've had in stratus and right scale who would, are going to kind of be in that ops workspace we've had um you know cloud ability's been on the show there's a bunch of other folks that are you know doing the billing stuff We've had folks like Cloud Passage who are trying to do security for, you know, as an add-on for things like AWS. Um, I, you know, I've seen a few of those guys, NuVem and some others, you know, put out their their blog that comes out immediately afterwards that goes, hey, 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 they're, you know, the, the service from AWS is simple. It's not as good as ours and so on and so forth. But it can't be a good day when you wake up and, and the thing that you, you know, the core platform that you build against basically goes, your company is now one of our features. Right. And it's free and built in. Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen this forever, you know, on the, on the infrastructure side. I mean, it's, it's the reason, you know, people have so much trouble with VMware these days, if you're a storage company or you're a network company or something and they go, no, that's just a feature now. Um, so yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be interesting in that space. Um, I, I, uh, I thought it was a little bit interesting. I saw, I saw the, this I saw this comment was sort of interesting. One of the guys from uh, from Instratus, and I can't remember which one it was. It was either yeah, it's Instratus. I'm sorry, <laughs> from Instratus. <laughs> um, it made an interesting comment. It was either it was either it was either Mortman or Bachelupe, and they basically you know it was one of these uh, religious kind of Twitter threads, and they said you know there is there really is only one cloud, and it's AWS. And I, you know, in the back of my mind, I went, you know, you might believe that, but you pitch your product as being multi-cloud. And if you really only believe it's AWS, and maybe that is where the bulk of your customers come from, you're in a lot of trouble. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, it's got to be interesting to kind of be a, you know, a an add-on to a platform and just hope that you're faster than than the platform is. Because I got, I mean, I got to imagine, man, security will be next and. You know they keep they keep kind of tiptoeing around paths and who knows we'll see. Yep, yep, I agree. And you know that that kind of goes back to and actually the the reason why it probably hits so easily is actually I was just listening to um, uh, episode seventy six while I was cleaning out the garage today since I wasn't on it. Um, and Sinclair's uh, 
kind of comparison of of Aprenda versus say Azure, right? And the fact that you know Azure is almost like the big old bus and very generalized, and and you know they're small, smaller, more nimble. They can serve the customers better and maybe move a little faster. But what happens when the big bus can move as fast as you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, in my mind, there's definitely there's always that. That's part of the smaller startup ecosystem. Yep. Yeah. No. Exactly. So. Exactly. So yeah, it's. Uh, and especially when everything is API driven, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I think this is part of the reason why the the OpenStack guys are always afraid of completely emulating the the AWS API because they're like they could get pissed <laughs> or they could just right. decide they were going to make money <laughs> off us. So well, and you know, it's funny you mention that because that's actually my next story, and it's it's semi related to AWS. I'll, I'll I'll tell you why here in a second, but Netflix is going to be closing up their API, uh, kind of like what what. Twitter did um, not too long ago as well of they're going to stop issuing new developer tokens um, to get in. And, you know, I was wondering almost like, is this a trend in the fact that, you know, take Twitter, for example, because honestly, Netflix shutting down their API, I don't know that many, say, third-party Netflix API things that, at least that I use day-to-day. Um, but the Twitter one, everyone I, I know tends to use a third-party Twitter client as opposed to the actual Twitter apps. Except me. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm you're the one of the other ones, right? But at the same time, you know, it, it was one of those, you open up the API, you get all these developers to, to build a lot of clients and do a lot of features that you may not be able to scale fast enough to meet demand. But then once you're at scale... All of a sudden, you start shutting down the API. You start, you start, you know, closing the tap so that you can gain control again. It, it seems like this strategy to open it up, get a bunch of market share, then close it back up and bring it back in house. And is that something AWS is going to do? This is where I was ultimately going with this. Is is this a trend? And is this something AWS could ultimately do at any time? Yeah. You know the weird thing is though, and, and and this is I'll have to dig into the the Netflix one a little bit more. I mean, usually, like with Twitter, for example. I mean, forever Twitter had had no business model. I mean, absolutely nobody could figure it out. And then it was well, they'll you know they'll sell ads because that's the only business model that Silicon Valley knows how to to deal with. So they'll sell ads because it's a free service. And it was sort of like well, we we can't quite figure that out. But maybe if we if we control the client that you use, we can better figure out ads. And but you know, if if Netflix does it, I, I think Netflix knows what their business model is. I mean, I don't think their business model is, uh, you know, there's not enough devices out there. I think I think their business model is, you know, uh, the content costs a, a ton of money, and we got to figure out how do we, you know, how do we address our content costs and the technology is a is a minor piece of it, right? I mean, we're, we're seeing yeah. them do things like House of Cards and some other shows on their own. Um, so that that's kind of weird, um, you know. And I would think the same thing for for Amazon. It's sort of like, yeah, I mean, they potentially could shut it down um, at some point if they add enough features on themselves and they don't need the, you know, the Instratus Instrati CISs and uh, right scales and cloud passages and all those kind of guys, but. They kind of have a business model, um, and I would think their business model would would flourish with an open API. But uh, who knows? I mean, I, you know, Swardley, you know, Simon Wardley would would tell us we're out of our mind to think that they would shut their API down because so many people use it. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, so interesting. I, I will have to uh, maybe we can hit it, find some people at Netflix who can explain to us why they would shut that thing down. So now here's an interesting one. Um, 
so Heroku, uh, the guys who are, you know, they're in the PaaS space, they're kind of a specialized type of PaaS, and they're associated at least loosely with Salesforce. Um, they've got a class action lawsuit coming out against them, and it's it's all about, um, and this is an interesting one, because basically it came up because uh, a developer or a user of their service figured out over a period of time that they had switched the way they do load balancing or something along those lines, and, and in essence had gone from this really, really robust load balancing thing, which delivered great performance, to basically a, a round-robin one, which delivered kind of crappy performance, or, you know, like, I don't know, one-fifth of performance or something. And so, in essence, you were having to buy a ton, ton more instances in order to get the performance. And yes, so now, they're accusing of a, of a bait-and-switch, basically. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they, they switched... How, I think it was how they did load balancing from something mm-hmm. that was really robust and you didn't have to buy a lot of instances to something that was really basic and you had to buy a lot of instances. Um, and and so, it, you know, it, it's it's trying to play this this lawyer game of like, you know, exactly what does your SLA say and exactly how did you word how your service delivers stuff? So, um, you, you know, you made the comment like, does this mean that people actually expect the cloud to work? <laughs> right, and 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 not just that, but do they do they expect insight into the black box? Yeah, um, because uh, you know a lot of times most people just you know the infrastructure. The whole idea is it's supposed to be there. You're not supposed to think about it, and it's just going to work. Well, what if it works? But if it's but it just doesn't. It's not optimized. Yeah. Or what if it was optimized? And now it's not optimized, and. Somebody makes a change and doesn't tell you. What if that black box changes, but it's not in a binary on-off? What if it changes in, in in shades of gray? Of it just does it works, but maybe not as well as it used to work. Well, and this and this a little bit, you know, if you stretch this out a little bit, it ties back into the thing we just talked about. So let's say, for example, uh, you know, I wanted to use something like NuVem or Boundary or something, one of these sort of API-driven. Um, uh, monitoring tools, um, you know, and I was looking at my thing, and I and I and I noticed this stuff, you know, the, that service could just very quickly go. I'm turning off the API, <laughs> and oh by the way, I have this new monitoring service that you have to use, and you may lose visibility into what's going on. So that's, yeah, it's uh, it's it is part of the black box. Um, it is sort of funny how the Clouderati are always like, hey, it's designed to fail. You need to know your application really well. Until one guy digs into it a little bit more and goes, "Wait a second, we're getting screwed here," and now all of a sudden it's like, "Well, they're the bad guys and they're evil and yeah. they've done wrong." And, uh, and so, in yeah, this that'll case, be an interesting. The, the one application to watch. didn't fail; it just ran slow, yeah. which made you, which which cost you more money because it ran slow, right? And the other thing, I, I guess, too, that, that I was wondering about this too is, in my mind, you know, Heroku, I still put in that startup kind of bucket, yeah. And and when I think startup, I think could go out of business at any moment, could be bought at any moment. Um, and, you know, I don't know that I necessarily think of it as enterprise grade. And what I mean by that is exactly that of the black box that's always up. It's highly optimized. You don't think about it. It just is there and running and reliable. But, you know, apparently there's a number of people that thought Heroku was exactly that and had a very different expectation level of a startup organization than than I may have had. Right. So uh, you know, I think I think I think we're we're at this stage now where 
I mean, I guess we could sort of go like, that's a consumer service and that's an enterprise service. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's like, do you, are, do you have a service that people expect to be running all the time or is it expects to run, you know, when it runs and, you know, we're getting into this more and more kind of global uh, 24 by 7, 365 world. Um, I mean, you might be doing nothing but gaming, which would probably never could be considered enterprise, but man, I mean, there's gamers up 24 hours a day. So maybe it does have to be uh, 99.999% reliable, even though that's not what it was intended. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we're getting into blurry lines there. So, um, you had one more. What was the last one you had on the list? Yeah, so the the last one was actually it, it was just kind of a a, a, re, a little bit of a rebuttal, if you will. Um, so Randy Bias um, put out uh, a blog article not too long ago, um, basically somewhat slamming VMware in the kind of Amazon versus VMware battle, and was listing out a a bunch of reasons why uh, VMware is wrong in in their approach to cloud, and here's all the reasons why, et cetera, et cetera. And it generated a lot of buzz, as as Randy tends to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then Massimo, um, and for those that, those of you that don't know, um, he actually is on the service provider side of the house for for VMware for cloud computing, um, and very prominent blog, very well respected. But he tends to be. Uh, he takes that the the anti viewpoint of a lot of the clouderati and and but actually does it in a very well doesn't stick them in the eye isn't like trying to be mean about it he backs a lot of his blog posts up with a lot of facts um, and it, it's really interesting to see Randy and Massimo kind of go back and forth but but he released another article in response to to Randy's and of course VMware never releases an official. Uh, response to all of this, it's right. it's one of those like they, they're never going to say, oh yeah, we don't you know we don't speculate on rumors and this and that yep, and opinions yep. and, but but Massimo did and he he did a pretty good job on it and probably one of the biggest things though that I I I thought about was he basically said in you know in in the customers he's seeing and he's very much an enterprise guy, you know the the. Open stacks of the world are the ones that require that kind of true elastic cloud architecture. It isn't the majority of enterprises. It's actually a very small subset of enterprises or a small subset of enterprise workloads. And then he goes on to, you know, here's, here's some, you know, facts and figures. And the one that I always, you know, thought was kind of funny was, you know, this is maybe a billion dollar business, right? Well, that's what IBM does on their, you know, AS400 or mainframe lines these days, which, you know, everyone has said has been dead and buried for, you know, 10, 20 years now. <laughs> right, 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 right. But it's, you know, IBM's still making a billion, billion dollars a year off these things, right? Um, so it's just a really interesting article. You probably have to go out and, and read the the entire article, and we'll put it in the show notes to actually get all of his, you know, points and counterpoints. Um but it, it was one of those again. It's there's no true one opinion about what cloud computing is. No, and uh, you know, to a certain extent, I mean, we've always sort of joked around cloud is whatever the person talking to you about cloud makes money on. Um, so, you know, Randy obviously jumped on the on the bandwagon when uh, you know when Pat Gelsinger you know kind of made these hints about. VMware versus Amazon and you know Randy Randy's always been we've had Randy on the show and we we touched on it with him a little bit I mean the thing that's always made me scratch my head with Randy is Randy has always been the biggest absolutely the biggest supporter of Amazon 
uh, uh, AWS. And I mean, he'll be the first to tell you the way they do things is the only way to do things. They're the only cloud. They're the only guys that can operate at scale. They are years and years ahead of anybody else. And then Randy goes, but, but you should buy this cloud architecture from me. And you kind of go, hmm, that's an interesting way of presenting the world. Um, so it's, you know, I'm going to use marketing to basically bash what's out there. And then I'm going to tell you that even though there is no other alternative, you should buy this thing for me. So, you know, when, when Randy kind of goes off on his rants, I think Massimo, even though obviously he's got a little bit of a VMware tilt to him, um, you know, does bring a lot of reality, uh, a lot of market-driven reality. He tends to sort of, like like you said, you know, he brings it back to, look, there aren't very many people that have those demands. And a lot of them are Silicon Valley centric or whatever they are. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, you, you do have to sort of separate the wheat from the chaff sometimes when, when some of these guys get fired up. And, you know, the other thing that was interesting was, was watching when, when Pat made his comments and then uh, James Staten from Forrester jumped on and Randy jumped on and, and they all sort of said, you know, and George Reese jumped on and they all said, well, if VMware is going to take their public cloud out there with vCloud, it's it's dead in the water. It's dead to start with. And not one of them went, well, wait a second. Uh, they hired a ton of guys from Terramark to go work on some project that nobody knows about. They just brought back in a bunch of the Cloud Foundry guys that didn't go over there like Mark uh, Lukowski. Um, you, know, there's, you know, there's some other people that are working on stuff. And it's like, maybe they're not building it with vCloud and maybe they're not that far behind. And, um, you know, so it, it almost becomes this, it's easy to poke it at the thing that you know, but, you know, if you don't make any speculation about what their strategy is going to be, um, you know, they may find themselves looking very foolish here in three or four months if VMware comes out with some big public cloud announcement and, and is legitimate and can scale and does have pricing that's interesting. So, Yep, yep. And then we'll have to have yet another discussion about eating ecosystems. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, that is going to be the mother of all eating ecosystems if that comes out. So that was actually something that uh, that we did talk about on uh, on speaking in tech, Greg and uh, Greg and Ed's thing. So they were they were kind of trying to speculate on what that meant. So we'll yeah. see. Um, well, cool, man. Listen, uh, I think we've been yapping our gums for a long time. Um, any other uh, any other news and notes that are worth uh, bringing up for this week before we before we move on? Oh, hey, I got yeah. one question. I got I got something oh, yeah. before I throw this out to you. So. Uh, two of the most popular shows we've ever done have been uh, the thing that we thought was kind of a complete joke, which was the fantasy football cloud draft. Yep. Um, so we've got both the final four or the, you know, the March Madness thing coming up, which is, you know, the mother of all brackets and stuff for people. And we've got the speculation about the new Pope. Um, do, you oh. think we should, do, you, do you think for either one of those things, we should do a cloud cast uh, something or another? We, yeah, we or should probably we, come up with something. Do, or do we spare our listeners the, the grief of what we might come up with? <laughs> well, we'll ask them. So uh, the, the email address is show at thecloudcast.net. <laughs> if, you, if you want us to, let us know. If you want us to spare you, let us know. <laughs> yeah, or just send us a tweet that, you know, is hashtag, uh, you know, cloud pope or pope cloud or cloud madness or something like that, and we'll do one or the other. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to keep up with thousands of brackets from people, but maybe we can do it on CBS Sports or something. There you go. But uh, well, cool, man. Uh, well, listen. Uh, why don't we uh, Why don't we wrap it up and uh, take it home and um, not bore people to death anymore? Yeah, sounds good. So if you like the show, please tell a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at the CloudcastNet or on the web at thecloudcast.net, where you can find links to everything. Cloudcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. 